0: On today's episode of Out of Office Bros, you already know what it is. It's Bronco's news. It's Buff's news right here on Out of Office Bros. This is Out of Office Bros. Let's hit it. Welcome, welcome everybody, to another episode of Out of Office Bros. It is your boy D Train along with my co-host, Mr. Scotty L. How are we doing today, pal?
1: Oh man, D Train. It is it is a great week. And here's why. We're we're nearing the holiday season. To our Jewish friends out there, Shalom Sharp, happy Hanukkah.
0: We've got football.
1: Yet. I I believe last night was the first night. I could be wrong. I could be culturally insensitive here. Who knows? (laughs) Either way, happy Hanukkah or happy early Hanukkah to Shalom Sharp. But we also have football all weekend. We have NFL on Saturday night as we are taking a brief reprieve from college football, which we know is one of my loves. I, I love me some college football, but I've got the NFL keeping me going into this holiday season going strong. And going strong with me right now are our Denver Broncos.
0: Yes, yes. This uh, this week is always interesting uh, for the NFL, particularly because there's games all over the place. we got a game going on right now where the Las Vegas Raiders are kicking the shit out of the Los Angeles Chargers. Brandon Staley's not, he might not be allowed on the plane home tonight from what I would imagine. Um, it is 63 to 63-14 as we speak with about five minutes left in the fourth quarter.
1: Two After thoughts on Go ahead. One, Raiders, please do it. Please save us from the most embarrassing loss okay. all year. <laughs> Aiden O'Connell, you are our only hope. Please, save us. Two, I mean, the good news for Brandon Saley, if he gets Lane Kiffin tonight, it, it's not a bad drive from Vegas to LA. It's relatively and- quick.
0: And he would be in Vegas. Yeah, that's right. Maybe he could go on like a four or five day bender, get his mind straight, figure out what his ne- next step is going to be.
1: That's what I'd do. Sounds...
0: <laughs> we know that's what you would do. Scott. There, there are,
1: if you're going to get axed, there are worse places to get axed than Las Vegas, Nevada. I'll tell you that right now. That, there are plenty of worse places.
0: Uh, but then but then we have three games on Saturday. We've got the Vikings versus the Bengals, both teams fighting for playoff position. Uh, Steelers and Colts, who are in the exact same playoff position. Whoever wins that football game is going to be a leg up on the other team. And then we wrap it up with the Broncos at Ford Field facing the Detroit Lions uh, Saturday night, uh, which, yes. will, which will be fun.
1: And did you see what Jared Goff said? No, I didn't. So I, I loved this. He said, uh, one last Pac-12 after dark. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I like it. I, I got to respect that.
0: Yeah, especially being a Cal guy, you know, like, like might as well.
1: <laughs> well and, we're, and we're Pac-12 guys. Like the vast majority of your schooling was spent in the Pac-12. I was a Pac-12 guy. It like, it pays homage to a conference that, you know, not to get too deep into college football, we're going to go into that a little bit later in the pod, but it pays homage to a conference that as you look at our home schedule for next year, you sit there and you're like, man, this kind of sucks. <laughs> so I, 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 Jared Goff, just respect, bro. Pac-12 brother, Pac-12 brother. I'm sure you're listening to this podcast.
0: (laughs) Definitely, with all the free time that he has. Uh, Well, let's dive into this Broncos versus Lions uh, Week 15 matchup. This is a a pivotal one. Um, It is. Only four games left on the schedule, and I think that out of the four that are remaining, I think this is the one that is going to be the most... Uh, where where we're facing a team that is a that is a playoff team that is going to make the NFC playoffs. You look you look at the rest of the schedule where we've got the Patriots, Chargers, Raiders. Those just aren't playoff teams. I mean, technically they're not statistically eliminated, so there's a chance they could be in, but you know. Aiden O'Connell and Easton stick are their quarterbacks. So I'm not too worried about it. And Bailey Zap, uh, So not too worried about those three teams. So this one, this one's going to be a good matchup right now. The books have uh, the lions favored by four and a hook, which I don't really like. I don't really like that at all. I think that the lions are, got off to a very good start and mm-hmm. have started to falter in, and waver in the most recent weeks.
1: Yeah, they, they absolutely have. And, I, admittedly, I haven't watched a ton of Lions games recently. Um, I am a big Dan Campbell fan. I think everyone who's listened to this podcast from the start knows that. Everyone who knows me, you know, outside of this pod knows I am a big Dan Campbell guy. Ever since I saw him on Hard Knocks, I mean, he just, he is the epitome of a football guy. And he drinks enough caffeine in a day to kill a small elephant. Like, it, it's honestly <laughs> absurd. But... They they've fallen off and you know it's interesting. I think the Lions are still gonna make the playoffs. I mean they have a two-game lead in their division right now. Um following, you know, behind them is the Josh Dobbs Minnesota Vikings. I I'm pretty confident that Detroit will be able to hold them off. They're they're a good team. Like they're they're not a bad team. They're 94, they they put points on the board. It it's been interesting because they have had a very up and down season. They've lost a couple of important you know, conference games or division games, I should say, Um, recently to the Packers, then they went on the road, beat the Saints, but then they came, then they went to Chicago and lost. You know, I I think that it's kind of an up and down team. We don't know what version of the Detroit Lions we're going to get. And that's where that four and a hook is very, it's a tester line, right? It's a teaser. It's one of those that I'm not sure Vegas really knew what to do with them because, the Broncos have been playing good ball, but they've the vast majority of their games have been relatively close. I just don't know if they knew what to do with them, especially with you know a playoff team like this. I think I think the reason that they're given them the edge is because
0: of the home field advantage, number one. But then yep. number two, when you look at the rankings for each of these teams, the the Broncos' offense is sitting at twenty fourth overall uh, in yards per game, and then the the Lions are third um, with where they're outgaining the Denver Broncos by about 90 yards per game.
1: Well, part you, of the, part of our yards per game, we could have had more, but Brandon Staley decided to hand us great field position all last game.
0: So, <laughs> That's, uh, that, that could be part of the problem.
1: <laughs> maybe Brandon, Brandon Staley might be playing 40 chess here.
0: Yeah, he could he, be. He might,
1: he might be playing a little extra there.
0: But then, but then what's interesting is, is where, where it matters, uh, you know, which is scoring, uh, mm-hmm. the, de- are, the defenses are pretty much the same. The, the Denver Broncos defense is averaging 23.8, and this is throughout the whole season. So this is including that Miami Dolphins game. Um, and then uh, the Detroit Lions are at 24.2, and that's good for 23rd and 25th, respectively. So this is going to be a very, another very close football game for the Broncos.
1: Yeah, those, those points against are almost identical. Uh, the Broncos have given up 309 total on the season, whereas the Detroit Lions have given up 314. So it is going to be a little bit of a defensive battle, um, which with how our defense has been playing recently, I, I got to give the edge to our Denver Broncos here, especially, you know, PJ Locke is once again questionable this week. Um, I, I think he's going to play. Yeah, I mean he was questionable it.
0: last week too, and that's yeah. and that's part of the thing that we have been very lucky with this season is that we haven't had a lot of injury that has prohibited the 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 growth of the of the defense and of the offense. We would, like we've continually gotten
1: better because these dudes are getting
0: more playing time together.
1: Correct, and you know they've they've just kind of found that special sauce on the defense and. It's been really fun to watch because that, that defense has fueled our comeback this year. They, it hasn't been on the back of the offense, which in today's NFL, a lot of a team's resurgence is on the back of the offense. This has been written by, you know, us finding a pass rush, us being an opportunistic defense, us being stingy on the defensive side. We'll give up a lot of yards, but it, it's truly a bend, don't break. And, you know, we've, we've been hyping VJ for the last couple of weeks. It's entirely deserved, though. Yeah, like what he's been—the turnaround that he has engineered on the defensive side of the ball has been incredible. And I think that when you look at the Broncos, and this probably can be said across a lot of teams in the NFL, but we almost have two head coaches. We have the head coach of the offense and the quasi- and the head coach of the whole team, and Sean Payton. But then Vance Joseph, I, I that is his defense. It's got his fingerprints all over it. You can tell because we've seen it here in Denver before. It, it is his defense. And yeah. I think he finally found the right pieces. And we talked about it early in the year about weeding out the toxic energy that was in there. And then notice how that happens. And suddenly we hit our stride. Yeah, it, It's really impressive to see what he's been able to do. And, you know, I – I like the Broncos to cover this game without a doubt. Yeah. It's just been too many close games. Like that Houston game even was really, really close. It would have – Houston would have covered the same line if that was the line on the game. But it was five points. So that's where Vegas, I think, is kind of getting that is like, okay, the most like opponents – have been the Houston Texans and probably the Minnesota Vikings at that time. And the point differential between those two games was six. Right. So putting it at four and a half, I think, is a really smart move by the books. But I like the Broncos to cover this game.
0: Yeah, I do too. Uh, And going to what you said about the defense, I think one of the keys for the Broncos for this game is is that – we cannot let Jared Goff get comfortable Mm-mm. back there. He is a very accurate quarterback. I think he I think when I was looking, he's like sixth or something like that in the league in completion percentage. And he's just one of those quarterbacks that if you give him enough time, he's going to pick you apart and, and pick the defense apart. And while he does excuse me, plus about Quinn and Williams did there about bless myself. <laughs> um while <Bless> he <laughs> thank you. While he uh do, he does hold on to the ball a little bit longer than some of the quarterbacks that we played. Uh <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> he uh he does you did a bless. I did. <laughs> it's oh, been a God. long day. It's been a long day. Black, it's been a long we, week. We're recording, we're recording this at nine 30 at night, everybody. Um, but <laughs> he, he is still at the top of the league of getting rid of the ball quickly. Um, so we just have our pass rush has to be there. We have to rattle him. We cannot allow him to, to get comfortable.
1: Yeah. That, that's that been golf's MO since he was in college. Right. And we're, yeah. we're familiar as bus fans with him. We saw him play Cal. Um, if you're able to, if you're able to get some pressure and make him feel a little concerned get him some happy feet. Jared Goff turns into a very average quarterback. If he's able to be comfortable in the pocket, if he's clean back there, he he can pick a defense apart. Like the dude's got arm talent. He's he's a very accurate quarterback as you mentioned and you know, he doesn't have the strongest arm in the league, but he has a pretty damn good arm. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to give him time and you know, he's thrown for a lot of yards this year. He's at the just under thirty five hundred he'll he'll hit the four thousand yard mark this year without a doubt my I, I mean if he doesn't that something went terribly wrong, yeah, but he's also been a little turnover prone um you know he's he's got a two to one touchdown to interception ratio right now, and um surprisingly Russ is better. And well, well get into
0: that. so yeah, that was going to be something. Why don't we just go there? Cause that was going to be something that I kind of wanted to bring up because I, I do think that these are pretty evenly matched teams when, when you're they looking are. at it on paper. So what it, what it kind of boils down to is, is, is the play of the quarterback. And if you're, if you're looking at it, do you think that would you take Russell Wilson over Jared Goff this season? Not saying not saying over their career, I'm not saying into the next few years, I'm saying right now, who would you rather be at the helm of your team?
1: I mean, they're both kind of game managers at this point, right? right. So at that point, if I'm if I'm looking at a guy who's a game manager, not a game changer, with the stats as they are, I, I'm gonna take Russ, and it's because he's protect he's doing a better job protecting the ball. Yeah, right Russ now is on the three season. To
0: one. Yeah, right now on the season, Russ is throwing a sixty-seven point two percent completion percentage, which is pretty high uh, for his career when when you look at it. Uh, Twenty-six hundred yards, twenty-three touchdowns, eight interceptions. Uh, Jared Goff is clipping at a sixty-six point nine percent completion percentage. Like you said, almost thirty-five hundred yards, twenty-one touchdowns, at ten interceptions.
1: I, I gotta you gotta give the edge to Russ, right? I mean, yeah. yes, Goff is moving the ball down the field better, but he's also getting riskier and he's not finding the end zone as much. It's close, granted. It's the matter of two touchdowns, but those two touchdowns, as we have come to find this year, mean a lot. Like we we've been in the vast majority of our wins have been one score games. There are very few that aren't. So protecting the ball and managing the clock and controlling that time of possession is grossly important for our roster, mm-hmm. where I give the slight edge to Russ. I think that it's a these two are very comparable this year. But I'm I'm giving the edge to Russ just because yeah. of that ball protection. And you know, it, it seems like his chemistry with Cortland, his number one might be a little bit better than Goff's with his number one in Amon Ra, St. Brown. Mm -hmm. You know, St. Brown has a lot of yards. He's got a lot of catches. But Russ is finding Cortland at the most opportune time to get six versus, you know, Amon Ra, great player. But he's getting kind of vultured a little bit by David Montgomery. So they, they lean on the run a little bit more than we do to punch it into the end zone. Yeah. Yeah, which is So, fun. if if it's a quarterback battle, I'm taking Russ in that. Running backs, I'm I'm taking Montgomery uh, without mm. a doubt over any of our backs right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh when you're looking at Russ's season this year, where does this where I mean compared to last year when when we were looking at the the way that he was playing, the decision making out there, what it what has been the change? Do you think that it was just Sean Payton coming in here and and it's his it's his play calling, it's his playbook in general, um, or do you think that do you think that it's a multitude of things? We we have vastly improved on the offensive line. Having Javante Williams back is huge uh, because he's able to spell the the offense a little bit, um, and then obviously we're capable of making big plays when last year it didn't seem like we could do that at all. The, the, the biggest play I remember, uh, was it, uh, I think it was when Brett Ripon was playing, uh, he tossed one up to Jerry Judy for like 70 yards or something like that.
1: Yeah. Um, that, that's a good question. I think honestly it is Sean Payton because a lot of this has been scheme. You look at our personnel, the offensive line had some, had some turnover, not a ton. I mean, we're still, rocking with Garrett Bowles. We still have Cushberry, you know, granted we did Myers. go out and sign. Yeah. We still have Myers. We did go out and obviously make some signings, make some additions, kind of change it around a little bit, but our personnel hasn't turned over that much that you can sit here and say like, you know, the it's different players. It's a totally different thing. And I think what you're seeing is Sean Payton is able to scheme a little bit better. I mean, a lot better than Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett, man, he's... We talked about it earlier this year. He is dog shit. Like, he proved it with the New York Jets this year. They are fucking dumpster fire when they should not be. The Jets are a very talented team. They are. They're dumpster fire, and it's because Nathaniel Hackett. Obviously, Rodgers gets hurt, but, like, come on, man. Zach, this is the worst Zach Wilson has looked, and it's not like Zach Wilson looked good. It... Scheme matters. Scheme really matters. And I think that's attributable to all football. Like, you look at the Bucs. I wonder how our offensive scheme is going to look next year. We still don't have an offensive coordinator. But Sean Lewis and Shador clearly didn't – that marriage didn't work, just like I don't think the Russ and Hackett marriage worked. And I don't think any marriage with Nathaniel Hackett works. I I don't know how that dude has a wife. Except Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, because Aaron Rodgers does his fucking job it's like Peyton Manning with every offensive coordinator or Tom Brady with Josh McDaniels. Like, you know, who the real coordinator is in that offense, the quarterback there, that is it. So it's, it's a scheme thing in my eyes. And I think, you know, Sean Payton recognized the deficiencies that we had in this offense and that Russ isn't quite the same guy. And that's fine. We've won a, we've won a Super Bowl with a guy being not the same guy he was. It's fine, you just have to have the coach that recognizes that, recognizes where their strengths still lie, and Russ's are, he still has a fairly accurate deep ball. I mean, he's found Cortland numerous times deep, and honestly, he should have more yards and more touchdowns if Jerry Judy could catch a fucking cold.
0: Yeah, that uh, there was a Reddit stream that came out that was uh, basically the highlights of Jerry Judy's drops from the Chargers game. And when it was added up, it accounted for almost one hundred yards of total offense and two scores.
1: Like that, that tells you a lot, right there, because they were catchable balls. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah. plays that an NFL receiver should be making. So Russ, I, I think Russ has performed better than what we expected. I think Russ is still very much a, at the very worst, a top twelve quarterback in this NFL. Right now, yeah. I, I would take him around that. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with Sean Payton's scheme. Like you you see how he's changed the strategy throughout the year. And that's something that we haven't seen here in Denver for quite a while. And that's why we're winning ballgames right now, because we don't have a most talented roster. We really we're we're in a position that I think we probably should be in where it is that borderline playoffs based on the talent of our roster. Yeah. And, you know, whether we make it or not this year, like I I would, I would classify this year as a success because of the turnaround. Yeah. Because there is progress being made that is tangible. That is evident that we didn't expect five, six weeks ago. Right. And that turn, you know,
0: and it all, it, like I said at the beginning, that's all going to kind of culminate with this game because I do. This is another playoff team that we are playing, and it, the the team needs to show up. We we need to have a good game if we're going to beat the Detroit Lions. And I, I, it, from my predictions, I do think that we are going to win this one. I, I think we steal one away from the Lions. I think we're going to end up winning this one again, close, maybe one or two points.
1: Yeah. I mean I'll I'll be the coward here and I'm not gonna call a winner a loss. I'm just gonna call a cover. <laughs> okay. So Okay. But Bronco's real quick, before it. we before we move on, what is Jerry Judy's trade value right now? Is is there a trade value for Jerry a, Judy?
0: A fourth or a fifth, maybe.
1: I think a bag of footballs.
0: <laughs> washing machine.
1: Yeah, I mean, there has been a trade for a washing machine in the NFL, so <laughs> I'm with it, but Jerry Judy, he, is he on this roster next year? I, I don't think he should be. I
0: think it, I think it's going to end up. I, I think we're going to see where our draft position ends up. And if there is a receiver that we like in the first round or even in the second round, then he's gone. Mm-hmm. But also, I, I mean, also Marvin Mims may, may end up being the two. And that's fine with me. I think the guy is a a complete game changer.
1: He's the most explosive player on this roster without a doubt in my eyes. I wonder if he can translate that over to being a a number two. Mm -hmm. This is also a very good wide receiver class. Right. A very good wide receiver class where, you know, if we're sitting there in the first round and there isn't an offensive lineman that we really like, or a linebacker that we really like, I or even a defensive lineman, I think that's probably our third need. Um and Brock Bowers probably won't be available, it depends on how his injury looks. But if none of those positions are available, and if Brock Bowers specifically at the tight end position is not available, you know, looking at our draft position, could Roma Dunze be there from Washington? And that guy. You pair him along Cortland Sutton. That's a really good, really good one and two with Mims yeah. as your three. You know, is that the potential and that the route we go? And then we just we ship Judy off and we hope to get some picks back or a pick back. You know, I I think that is very well within our realm of possibility, and we'll we'll be covering the NFL draft. We're we'll talk about our favorite prospects once again. We're not. We're not fucking paid to do this. Like we're, we're just two dudes <laughs> yeah. that love football. We'll get paid. If by on the wings of our listeners, please, God, tell everybody about us. Even if you think we suck, let other people listen just to laugh at us. But we we have our favorite players in this draft, and this is a good draft class, in my opinion. We'll get into that, and I think that come that time if Jerry Judy can be replaced with a low first round pick or a second round pick or a third rounder we do it and we we see what we can get for him because a i don't think his attitude is there anymore and b he hasn't produced and the best thing to do as an organization is accept the loss move on and move forward Yeah. yeah that that's all you can do
0: and some, you know, he's not as big of a bust as we've had in the past. You know, we've, we've talked about the worst free agent signings we've had. We could talk about the worst draft picks we've ever had. He, I don't even think he'd rank in the top five, but a lot of, lot of hype, you know, coming in coming from Jerry Judy out of the University of Alabama. Uh, right on. The Raiders uh, fucked us. Only won 63 to 21.
1: This is why I hate the Raiders.
0: <laughs> um, all right. Well, Hey, Hey, did you, uh, did you watch, uh, coach prime episode three?
1: Yes. And I had an out of body experience. <laughs> you were reliving those moments again. It, I, it, it just all came flooding back. Yeah. Flooding back into my bones of being at Folsom with a packed crowd hated rivals, hated rivals, the drama, the energy, Lil Wayne, the rock, it all came back. And oh my God, what an episode. And there's so much to unpack in this episode and in this series. Where where do you want to start?
0: I know, seriously. Well, I mean, we might as well start from the beginning of this episode um, where, where it showed... Uh, Coach Prime warming up to Ralphie uh, heading into heading into Nebraska week. Like that shit was funny, man.
1: Dude, I still remember when that clip first came when certain clips of that first came out on yeah. social media of like Prime screaming as Ralphie's running into the trailer, or you know, the picture that was caught of like Snelson, Bucky, and Prime all in the trailer together. Yeah. and it was like bucky's perfectly fine Snelson has this huge grin on his face and prime's like cowering for hiding out. behind hiding behind bucky yeah I, I i just love it because everything about prime okay let's look at prime as a person he is the most brilliant marketing machine of arguably all time like this dude can market like nobody else but there's just also something so genuine that you see in this show yeah like i think that's the big part is you're getting a behind the scenes look you're seeing both coach Prime and dion mm-hmm. because he's often talked about they're two different people and you see this genuine moment of like him being afraid and he's like you know he he's a hall of famer he's a gold jacket guy he's larger than life and like he played in the most alpha male fucking game in the world and excelled at a tremendous level. And yet he's cowering behind his son as a Buffalo is running into a trailer, like, or he's afraid of even feeding her because he he just hasn't been that close. And it's really cool to see these worlds colliding of coach prime and that aura and everything about him. And then our world of Ralphie, the Buffalo and, you know, kind of that old West mentality. And them just colli- colliding and the marriage that's coming about it, it's it's just so cool to see. Yeah, and you can, it's hilarious. You
0: could, you could just, you could just tell that he, after that, had a new appreciation for the the majesty that is Ralphie. You know, like but, I like I think he could realize, like I think he, I think it, there in the moment he realized, like oh. This is actually happening. Like, I'm sure he saw videos and all that kind of stuff, but it was like, oh, 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 oh.
1: (laughs) I think that's where, you know, the saying that is ingrained in us diehard Buff fans of the pride and the tradition of the Colorado Buffalo should not be entrusted to the timid or the weak. Yeah. I think that moment embodied that for him of like, oh, shit, when this Buffalo gets moving and it is running full speed ahead at me. That is terrifying, and that's also how we want our team to play. Yeah, and I think that was just such a real moment for him of like, okay, let's do this. We're we're here. We're in it. Let's ride. To yeah. Quote Russ.
0: Yeah, hundred um, percent. And then and then that kind of rolled into um, the game with Nebraska, and and I think that you could tell that Dion came to Colorado with the knowledge that the nebraska game was a big rivalry um and you know from you know back in the big eight days and it was it was a good game to get on this schedule not only for for the fans of both teams but because it was two first year head coaches at these new programs with prime being here and then matt rule being at nebraska and um Obviously, I mean, we we talked about this game agnosium, so I think we can kind of brush over it. Obviously, we won by twenty two points, but it was um, it, it was a lot about bragging rights and pride for whoever was going to win that football game, and and this this showed that again.
1: Yeah, and you know, as much as it pains me to say, Nebraska is a program on the rise potentially. Potentially, I, I do think rule was a good hire. We'll see how it goes. On paper, it's a very good hire. He's been a successful college coach. And this was also a program in Colorado that we are witnessing what is hopefully another rise in the awakening of a sleeping giant behind coach prime. It, 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 this rivalry means something. It, It means something to both fan bases. And I think, Colorado fans are probably more apt to admit that than a Nebraska fan maybe is. But you know Nebraska still talks about us all the time. Like we don't even play each other anymore. There's their message boards, their articles that are written by their beat writers. There's still always mentions of Colorado. This yeah. this is a rivalry and you saw Urban Meyer on this episode talking about what this rivalry used to mean in the landscape of college football. There used to be the game in college football because that that game and that rivalry heated up at a time that really Michigan and Ohio state wasn't what it is now and what it was in the past. This was the game for a long period of time. And, you know, prime knew that I think the kids learned that very quickly, you know, they saw the energy in Boulder leading up to that game. Cause I believe they also had the stampede ahead of that game. If I remember that, they covered it right ahead of that. Yeah. So they saw the energy to boulder around the Stampede on Pearl Street the Friday nights before the game. And, you know, one other kind of sidebar here is that genuine relationship between Prime and Peggy. And I think that Peggy has been able to instill some sense of our traditions and our history to a certain extent to Coach Prime. And I think Rick also does a very good job of exploring that. yeah. And Prime, I think, does his own research, too, on it. But opening with Nebraska at home, the era, the new era for both programs beginning, there was a lot of pride on the line. There was a lot of bragging rights. There's a lot of history there. And there's a lot of future there because we are always going to be tied together for better or worse, even if we're not in the same conference. And we got the better end of that again. And it, it's been 4,760 days since the Nebraska Cornhuskers would beat the Colorado Buffaloes. 61 days. I apologize. I shorted us today. It's been that long. And we get to keep that streak rolling. And we roll into Lincoln next year, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. And hopefully we'll keep it going there. But that part of the episode was really, really great because that was the first glimpse of, true glimpse of Prime in Boulder and what that game day is. Mm-hmm. And it also reminded me of how awesome it was to see the buff fans really turn out and not allow the sea of red into Folsom field. Right. Because Nebraska travels very well, very well. Yeah. They do to everything, to everything. Yeah. We were at, I mean, there's nothing else to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, we were at a wedding the same weekend that Nebraska was playing Minnesota and our, Mm -hmm. the hotel that we stayed at, you were either a Nebraska fan or you were there for Joe Nelson's wedding. (laughs) <laughs> there was like there was, nobody else that yeah. was in this hotel.
1: <laughs> they they travel exceedingly well. So, you know, that that was another point of pride uh, for people like you and I that we we kept the red out of the stadium. Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's awesome. Cool. So that it was is. that was a that was a great moment in the episode. For sure.
0: Um, then then things kind of switched. Uh, And obviously we had won, we had beat TCU and came out, we were ranked. I think we were 22nd. Uh, Mm -hmm. Then we got that win against Nebraska, moved up to 21st. And then we took on the Colorado State Rams where big noon kickoff decided to come to Boulder game day, decided to come to Boulder. And yeah, you, you talked about it. Getting to see that again and remembering how gorgeous of a day it was out there in Boulder and and it was the first time that they had been there since when? It was like two thousand and four or something yeah, like the that. The early two thousands. Yeah, it was the last time that they had been there. So that just seeing that again, it was just like, man, like they're gonna be back. They're like like they want like Coach Prime has brought this aura to the university again and getting getting those two big programs out there where a lot of the nation is watching that on Saturday mornings. Um they're gonna be they're they're gonna be back just because of how gorgeous it was out there and, um. So so there was that, but then obviously and then obviously it showed the stuff for the CU CSU game, which ended up being a lot closer than anybody had anticipated. We were twenty two and a half point favorite going into that one. Obviously went to overtime. We know what happens. <laughs> Buffs come out on top but the moment that i had kind of forgotten about and i didn't necessarily forget about but i didn't realize was that the, that moment between prime and jay norvell the coach for colorado state was intense that yeah. was that was a that was a uh, that that like that was why it was so personal I I guess that's what I was trying to say. And, you know, you could tell, like, before that interaction happened with them, Shador went up to Prime and said, don't touch him, or don't put don't put hands on Norvell, uh, you know, before they shook hands. And you can see, you know, when Norvell comes up to him and said, Hey, I wasn't trying to target your family. And Coach Prime's like, you're talking about my mama, dog. You're talking about my mom. And he's like, no, 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 I wasn't. He's like, Yes, you were. Yes, you were. And Let's just dive into this because the episode aired yesterday, Kim Norvell, the wife of Jay Norvell, decided to take a shot at Shador on Twitter.
1: Yeah, I've got the exact tweet. Um, I I need to collect myself before I read this because let let me read it and then I'll get my thoughts on it. Well,
0: and and just before you read it, I'm sure you screenshotted it,
1: but she deleted the yep. comment, or she has since she deleted it. She doesn't stand on business, um, <laughs> which I will also be talking about. So quick backstory, Ryan Konigsberg, RK of DNVR Buffs. I'm sure a lot of our listeners probably do listen to DNVR's content. They do a great job on the Buffs. He tweeted out the clip. And just reminded everyone of Norvell's exact quote as well. Kim Norvell, the wife of Jay Norvell, decided to comment on the tweet and say, Hold
0: on hold on, one second. So what Jay Norvell said at his pregame presser or whatever it was, said, when I talk to grownups, I take my hat, my sunglasses off. That's what my mother taught me.
1: Yes. So Kim... Who, if you guys have a second, go to her Twitter. She's pretty fucking unhinged. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just going to put it there. But she tweets Shador and misspelled his name. Get daddy's name right. Get his name right because he is CSU's daddy. Remember that. Spell it right. Shador acted like a bee when Jay turned his back after trying to talk to his dad and held up his watch. Here is the one of many issues with that. Shador is a college student. He is a kid. Should he have held up the watch behind Jay Norvell's back? Probably not. That's not a sportsmanlike move. That said, he is a kid. Think back, everyone think back to when you were 20, 21, 22. We all did dumb shit. We all did stupid things that were disrespectful, that were we wouldn't want the public eye seeing. We all have done that. He is a kid. Kim Norvell is an adult. Yeah. She is in her 50s or 60s. I don't know. She looks, I'm, I'm not going to go there. She's, she is well past the age of knowing better to attack a college student. The fact that she thinks as a G five head coach's wife, that she can put this shit out there and a, it's not going to get screenshotted. It's not going to be <laughs> covered or anything like that is so fucking asinine to me that it's laughable because I I also think that in the future, this hurts her husband. Should he have opportunities to head coach somewhere else, to be a coach somewhere else? Because universities very much care about perception and the public perception, particularly around the head coach. And that extends to their families. Mm -hmm. This is a terrible look. And also you have to have something seriously wrong with you. And this goes for Buffs fans. This goes for any fan of college sports. If you are a grown-ass adult and you are tweeting at children or about kids, about these kids that are student athletes, they're still in school. They have not matured fully yet. If you are tweeting that kind of stuff, we came out against Buff fans tweeting about Henry Blackburn, the kid. And we'll talk about that here too, because that was an integral moment of that episode for me was the hit on Travis Hunter. But we came out against that, about tweeting about him, tweeting out his address, tweeting death threats, whatever the case was. We came out against that. Kim Norvell showed that same lack of class and dignity and grace by tweeting this. I think this is a problem. I think it needs to be addressed. I think, honestly, Jay needs to release a statement. I, I really do. Because... Also, if I'm a parent and I'm sitting there and my kid's being recruited by Jay and I'm seeing what she's willing to say about another college student. I'm not sure I'd want my kid to go play for him. Yeah, because you in your life, you're most closely aligned to your immediate family. You choose your partner. You don't get to choose your brother, your sister, your kids, any of that. You get to choose your partner in this life. And that means Jay chose her so whether she was just being a good wife and standing up for jay that's not the optic here mm-hmm. and i think that needs to be taken into account and if i'm jay i'm getting on damage control but i haven't seen anything come out from him
0: i mean granted this was at nine o'clock at night yesterday so i would assume it's going to be like a full business day it's later made the rounds today it's still i on know 3rd. i get it but we might see something tomorrow uh,
1: friday december 15th they they would be the kind of school to do a friday Afternoon media dump as we're nearing the holidays. It honestly wouldn't shock me if they do it like next Friday when everyone's like not paying attention because the holiday break is there. But optics look terrible here in my eyes. Yeah. And then she keeps doubling down on it. Like she deleted that tweet, but people still bring it up. And she's, you got the CSU fans defending her for God knows what reason. After they were all calling us trash because we were our fans were being trash and tweeting about Henry Blackburn, she did something, obviously wasn't a death threat, but she she challenged a man's a young man's character and called him a bitch. I've called Ryan Day a bitch, but Ryan Day is a grown ass man. <laughs> She's calling a kid a bitch. Yeah. And that is a problem.
0: Yeah. No, you, you can't have that. You can't have that type of um, reaction to something like this. I who knows what has happened behind the scenes if if Prime and Jane Orval have exchanged emails or maybe a text or something like that, and maybe squashed it. You don't really know. But I think that there. I think that there's also something to be said about um, the and they kind of talked about this in the episode and and we've talked about it a little bit. But these the the high profile high drive athletes they are able to find a reason to do more than you, uh, you in um Michael in Last Dance thank you the the Bulls documentary there was that clip uh, before they headed into the NBA finals versus the Jazz and one of the assistant coaches said to Michael like hey Mike how's it going he said i took that personally
1: yeah, you are like, hey, good good luck to, <laughs> like, good luck good tomorrow luck. night, Mike.
0: Yeah, like yeah. I took that personally. Like they these dudes, they just find they find something to make it personal. And Because they have to. Because right. they're so much better. Right. And 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 that never goes away for these dudes. And 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 Prime was a perfect example of, of that as well. And I don't I do not think that Jay Norvell meant it as a slight against his mother. I don't. I think what he was saying was, I think what he was saying was, is, you know, this is how, this is how I present myself to another adult, but it's got nothing to do with how you were raised or anything like that. But prime was able to find a, a reason and, and I mean, and, and get his team to unite around that, that reason.
1: Yes. And I, I agree with you, but I also see Prime side of it, yeah, where it's like he he is a self proclaimed mama's boy, mm-hmm. when he's been asked about Colorado and saying here, like his first response was, My mom is here, my dog is here, my kids are all here, my sister's here, like he's he's a family guy, so when you say anything about mama that that is going to be something for him. Even though you and I may interpret it differently, or Norvell may have meant it differently, it leaves that room for interpretation where someone like Coach Prime, who is very close-knit to his mother, could take serious offense to that. Yeah. And Norvell came out, like we talked about this during the lead-up to it, It it was a bad look for him at the time. I think it was left in the dock for a reason. I think that the mic'd up interaction at the the 50 was left in for a reason. And I I think that once again, Colorado State comes out looking really bad. And Kim Norvell didn't help the situation at all. I think it would have been better if Colorado State had said nothing about this versus Kim Doing, getting Twitter fingers and throwing shots, especially with us going up to Fort Fun next year, which by the way, you're welcome for another sellout. I still think that there is a reasonable there's a good reason that the Buffs have that if they don't want to play this game, they should just buy out the contract and say, we don't want to play you. And that's because of what we can pivot into with Travis Hunter that hit on him that It it could it could seriously hurt their athletics department because let's be real here CSU is not the most profitable athletics department like most athletics departments already operate in a negative CSU drove themselves into a lot of debt by building a stadium that they cannot fill there is going to be one full game next year and that is us they need to be very careful and tread very lightly because we control the power we are the attraction in this state particularly for college football. But right now, we are the largest attraction. The bus, bus football is the largest attraction. Yeah, yeah. Tread lightly. Yeah. Well, let's, let's go into
0: that hit uh, that sent Travis Hunter to the hospital with a lacerated liver. Um, in the dock, they showed multiple angles of that hit. And, and we, we had seen multiple angles of the hit on Twitter, obviously live during the game. Um, and, and it was. It was a dirty play. Does it constitute death threats? No, it does not. (laughs) But but I think that what it did show was the immediate impact that Travis Hunter has on both sides of the football. because, Because what happens, and we'll see it in the next episode, is that losing... Losing your, arguably your best player on both sides of the ball at a critical juncture of the year where you're about to go into Pac-12 play, I'm pretty positive is what started this downhill slide.
1: Oh, it absolutely is. And the part that we hadn't seen that was in the doc was Travis's actual reaction. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that kid is tough. I think he is a warrior. And you saw him crumpling over in pain where they had to pick him up and carry him to the bench. Yeah. We didn't see that part. We didn't hear him screaming like you did in the episode. hmm That part right there, it reignited that anger about the hit for me. Because I I had kind of moved on, you know, it was in the back of my mind of like, what happens if we have Travis for, we we still lose Oregon, yeah, we we, we do. They they dominated us. What happens if we have Trevor again or not Trevor but Travis against USC, right? What happens in that game because that was a close game? What happens if he is healthy this whole year? How does he finish? Because he was already he was voted to first team All American. Congratulations. That means your name is going to go up on Balch. I, yeah. I think there may be a stipulation that they actually have to graduate from CU. I, I don't know if that I had have to look into that, but part of that is you have to be a first team all American. And he was, that's legendary status. Yeah. And he did it in not even a full season. Yeah. He, he missed, he missed four what, games. three, four games and he wasn't even a hundred percent for right. the rest of them. So It completely changed the trajectory of our season. And then seeing it again from all these angles, it just shows how dirty and intentional it was. And then they didn't even get into the fact that, you know, Mohamed Kamara was taking late runs at Shador the whole time and then faking an injury whenever we got the ball rolling a little bit. It didn't get into that at all. It didn't get into a lot of the nitty-gritty that happened in that game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: but it gave you enough that you could understand like if the buffs do choose to buy out this series, which I haven't seen rumblings. I am just sitting here as a fan hypothesizing that they could do this. And honestly, there is a strong argument that they should because of team health and just what could happen. It, it was just like, man, why are we, why are we playing this series? What What is in it for CEO? Honestly, what what is outside of like, oh, we run the state, the TV numbers, the revenue dollars, the fans in the stands, the merchandise sales, everything already backs that statement up that we are this state's college football park. Mm -hmm. That hit was dirty. And I don't know if Blackburn is a senior or not. I don't care enough about Rams eligibility to really care. If he is, he's lucky he's not playing next year because I, th- I think that something would – there would be some sort of – Retaliation. Ag- yeah, a very aggressive block. You know, someone someone sees goes him for going his, for a pick. Goes for his knees. Go for a knee, go for a head, go for something because that was – it was so egregious. And seeing it back, it it, it was awful. It was a yeah. terrible hit. It doesn't belong in the
0: game. Yeah, but at the end of the day, those two squashed it. You know, they went bowling or whatever they did. I can't quite remember. But um, overall, great episode. Uh, oh, I, I, I think we knew that these first three episodes were going to be our favorites. Um, the fact the fact that they have dove into as much as they did for three episodes makes it feel like the last three are going to rattle off like three games in a row sort of thing to, to get through the rest of the season just because we only win one more. rest of the way you know
1: yeah and I think that's that's kind of how it has to go and I think that's actually how they did it at JSU too um even when except it was theirs for dubs dubs yeah a lot of dubs (laughs) Dubs. (laughs) like there wasn't anything to cover because they were just dominating everybody um I'm curious to see how much they get into the locker room stuff and I also wanted to take back something I said about Shador and we'll see how this evolves and develops but we saw him in this episode take out his offensive line to a steakhouse at the Hotel Boldorado. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that's what's so great about this series and what our program is becoming is we do get these behind the scenes things that can either confirm or squash any preconceived notions that we had going into it. And... That was a really, really cool moment before the uh, before the Nebraska game is what it was, that he took his, his big boys out to eat, which if you're a quarterback, that's what you should be doing. Go feed the hogs, feed them. It, it's, it's a really well done series and am I'm, I'm enjoying every minute of it. And, you know, I think that we're going to have to look at it through a different lens as we come in because we did lose a lot of games but it could provide us valuable insight into what was happening in the champion center and maybe some explanation of why we did lose so much down the stretch. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, Well, looking forward to the, how the rest of it goes. Um, Let's uh, before we wrap up the episode, let's get into some bus recruiting news here. Um, Mm. It's so awesome, man. Like it is seriously so awesome to watch some of this stuff. Um, the big the big one that came out uh most recently was uh was Draylon Miller, who may not be as highly ranked uh as as some of the twenty twenty four class is going to be coming in, but he's still top ten ranked in the buffs modern era, uh dating so that would be dating back to two thousand, which they call the modern era, right? Um yeah. so you know Another another receiver wants to come play for Coach Prime. They, he, they've they obviously seen this, the success, and these kids want to catch passes from Shador.
1: Yeah, I mean, this kid, we talked a little bit about him last episode. Um, he, he's a beast, dude. He was previously committed to Texas A&M. He's the second highest rated commit in our class, um, tied with another athlete in Cameron Michael, kid out of Georgia. Um, the, those two are your future here. And then... I don't know if you saw the news, but today we got a pretty, pretty good transfer commit at the wide receiver position. His name is Will Shepard. He is 6'3", 200 pounds. He was previously at Vanderbilt, their number one receiver. For those of you that are about to say Vanderbilt sucks, why would we be excited? Let me remind you of where Zay Weaver and Jimmy Horn Jr. came from. They came from a 1-11 in University of South Florida program. And they were beasts this year. They were dogs. This kid, this kid is a stud. He is going to be our number one receiver next year, if not Travis Hunter. But Will Shepard at 6'3, 200, that's a big target. This is Zay Weaver's replacement. Um, honestly, he's bigger than Zay. And he, hes he's a guy that's going to play on Sundays, and he would have played on Sundays even if he was still at Vanderbilt. He's that talented. He he's rated as a four-star transfer. He's our highest transfer commit right now. And dude, I I could and, not be happier with this.
0: And he and he kind of looks like he's more of an outside receiver than, mm-hmm. than Zay Weaver was. Like you know, between Jimmy Horn and Zay Weaver, they kind of moved them all over the place just because they're a little bit smaller of guys, like speed guys. Um, but yeah, Will Shepard. This kid. Six. This is a beast man yeah yeah big size yeah he's gonna be he's gonna be a tough red zone matchup that's for sure he,
1: he really is and you know he was a he was a three sport athlete in high school um played football basketball and ran track and field his personal best in the high jump was six foot four wow so he's got bounce he he's definitely our X receiver next year. And he's going to be someone that he, he's going to have an immediate impact. I mean, he, he's quick, he's a physical player, and he's going to be a monster in the red zone. And here's the craziest part to me about where we're kind of at with this recruiting season is Prime does things so differently than everyone else that that was the end of the offensive side for now. For now, there are going to be more players that enter the portal after after the CFP, after the bowl season's done, after all that. There will be more. We haven't even hit the defensive side. That's
0: this weekend. Right. Yeah. That's when it's going to start to, I think, we're really going to see
1: some big turnover. It's going to be wild yeah, because we already have a couple of good defensive linemen committed to come visit this week, um, and as we've seen, <laughs> when Prime gets him on campus, he's pretty damn good at closing yeah so that's going to be an exciting weekend and we need to shore up the defensive line
0: well and you know right now uh for the future big 12 programs we are we are tops in the transfer rankings by far and uh and that's a good thing because in terms of the freshman class rankings or the 2024 class that are coming in we're kind of we're kind of dead to nuts in the middle We're ranked ninth, uh, out of all the teams. Um, so obviously we still have to get some of those young kids to commit and come in here, but, um, but the transfers are, are going to help and, and help us be competitive in, in the big 12 next year.
1: Yeah. But let me point out one thing here about why our ranking is ninth. That's because we have the smallest class and 24 yeah. seven does a lot on the quantitative side of it versus the qualitative side. Right. So when you look at our rec- average recruit ranking for this class that is incoming, we are at, as of today with that big commit from Will Shepard, our average player ranking for the 2024 class transfers and high school kids is 91.09. So that is basically you're averaging a four-star. Yeah. You're averaging a low four-star there. The next closest to us in the big 12 where we are moving is the Texas Tech Red Raiders, somehow. Um, They have one five-star kid. God knows why he's going to Lubbock, Texas. God bless him. But they're at 8905. So we we are bringing in the best recruiting class. The thing is, is it is very small, especially as it stands right now. But we're Uh, recruiting at such a high level. It's not even, it's scary for the rest of the country.
0: Their uh, their five star commit. Uh, he's from Temple, Texas, like act- Texas. Actually, Temple, Texas. That's where he's from.
1: Where the hell is Temple, Texas? <laughs> I'm assuming Never it's where Temple.
0: Is. I'm assuming it's where Temple is, my dude.
1: No, Temple's in the uni- Temple University's in uh, Philly. Oh shit! Temple, Texas. It is. Where the hell are you? God, it's like in the middle of nowhere.
0: Well, that's most of Texas.
1: Yeah, Texas. It's just south of Waco and north of Austin. Little surprised that uh that the Longhorns can keep it at home. Yeah, because that's just down the road, whereas Lubbock is pretty damn far. They must have dropped a bag and a half on this kid.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: anyways, we don't need to talk
0: about Texas Tech quite yet. Um, no. I was just interested. I was just interesting too. Cause I was like five-star to Texas tech. <laughs> um, yeah, Micah Hudson. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I, it, it's very, very exciting right now. Obviously we're going to see what happens this weekend. We're going to come to you guys on Tuesday in your ear holes, talking about the defensive transfers that end up coming here. Uh, just coach prime spring in. I don't even know what luggage is more expensive than Louie, you know, but I Hermes, yeah birkin. something like yeah something like that birkin maybe uh definitely not uh not samsonites not uh not what do i have i don't even know i've got a i've got a way bags high, I, high quality luggage way. for the price point i have i have a way bag yeah yeah, yeah. there
1: there you sponsor go us. sponsor <laughs> us we'll, we'll take it um yeah a couple quick things before we wrap here um we are going to get into some more Avs and nuggets talk as the football season is winding down. So be on the lookout for another appearance from our uh, redheaded friend, Mr. Batemo um, yep. shout out to him. We, we took in the Avs game together last night on Wednesday. Um, it was a really special moment in terms of Avs history. We saw Eric Johnson return uh, to Colorado, really emotional. He was the longest tenured Colorado athlete after Von Miller's trade um, so that was special. Avs got a huge dub. They're currently sitting atop the Central Division. Uh, they're an absolute wagon, so we're going to get into some Avs talk. Um, on a more personal note for me and D-Train, it pains me to say this, but congratulations to the four Fantasy League owners in our Fantasy League that made the playoffs. Um, that would be Colorado Springs Cole, Batemo, your brother, the Dylon, And Shalom Sharp. Yep. Um, Good good
0: luck to those guys these next four weeks, Uh, and then good luck to myself, Ethan, Doctor Dave, and um, Big Brendan. uh, Yeah, unnamed Brendan, Uh, unnicknamed Brendan. So far, Um, he, uh, the four of us are fighting uh, for the dead last spot. Do not want to be there because we're going to be doing a calendar photo shoot as our punishment uh, for the 2024 to 2025 calendar. Um, so if it ends up being you, maybe we could sell that as like out of office. But of Hirsch. office. Hirsch, I'd be down. I'd be down. I don't think it's going to be me. Ethan did have a good night tonight, but we'll see. Uh, also, on a quick note, we will be coming back with uh, the rundown uh sorry that we have uh missed that the last couple of weeks or i think just this week right no yeah the last two weeks we've missed rundowns um we'll definitely get back on that horse Uh, a couple of folks said that they missed it so we'll get back on that train starting on tuesday so everybody thank you so much for giving us another listen on out of office bros we'll be out of office again on tuesday for immediate assistance please follow us on instagram twitter spotify and anywhere that you get your podcasts please be sure to like comment subscribe and pretty please tell your friends. Best. The out of office bros. Scobuffs, boycott opening day. Scobuffs.